Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, Elle Michelle Smith, and each episode we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to be back with you. It's been a month since the last second Tuesday, second Tuesday in the month. Every month we bring you the Coaching Corner live on LinkedIn. This audio will replay on the podcast everywhere we stream, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're everywhere, y'all. You can even ask Alexa to play the Culture Soup podcast. You know what? I am so thrilled as an executive business coach, also the host of the show. I'm thrilled because as a coach, you know, we drive people to their goals. We drive people to their dreams. We help them achieve them, exceed them, smash them. And we have to be a living witness. Well, in the last two weeks, something amazing has happened to me. You've probably heard me tell the story before that in grad school, I wrote down six things that I wanted to do in my career that I wasn't able to do as a 20-year-old. You know, I didn't have the credibility. I didn't have the contacts. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the heft to do the things that I wanted to write down as a writer. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a communicator. Yeah, so I wrote down these six things. I won't bore you with all six of them, but the sixth one is very, very important. And I started to achieve that goal last week and this week. And here's a little hint of what happened. And it went like. I'ma make you pump like that. So yeah, I'm on TikTok. That's the other piece too. I'll talk about that in a bit. But yes, I realized the f- the sixth box that I started to check, and that was that I've always wanted to be an SME on television talking about culture. Well, the good news is it's culture, tech, and business because that's been my story for the last umpteen million years that I've been on this earth. I'm not that old, okay? That being said... I was able to go on Good Morning Texas here, the number one morning show, um, first shot at getting on the air um, to make it on with Alana Sarabia. Shout out to her. Shout out to Greg Fields, the meteorologist on the show who I've known for years to believe in me and believe enough in the podcast to feature it. So we literally got to talk about the podcast, what I do as an executive and business coach and some other tentacles of my business. We talked a little bit about trends because social media is culture soup. And that's what we talk about on this show. As you know, we tee up a culture soup moment on the audio podcast, on the video podcast. We have the soup. Okay, so as you know, on the soup, I typically have an article that's trending and we talk about 
the ramifications of it, the issues that are involved, the trends, whatever. Today, I just went through the threads like I usually do on the audio version of the Culture Soup podcast. And how many of you have seen people doing this symbol? I can't really do it with my, <laughs> I want you to hear me, but you see this symbol? Yeah, it's an equal symbol. You've been seeing it everywhere. Individuals have been doing it. Teams have been doing it. Companies have been doing it. Company leads have been doing it. And you know it's a sign of equality. It's beautiful. It's Women's History Month. And we just celebrated International Women's Day. This is a great way to get into the conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I got to tell you, all of this beautiful stuff that we're seeing online and companies making statements and women making statements and men making statements and women of color making statements. You were a woman. You checked the box you were talking to. But let's be real. Are we really where we need to be? And everyone would probably agree with me when I say no. Pay gap is still there. We still have outsider status as women in the workplace. As women of color in the workplace, we are double outsiders. So today we want to take on the topic of employer brand and culture. And when I talk about culture, we're talking about workplace culture. But I think that many companies aren't quite there yet. Some of them are. And understanding that workplace culture is intertwined inextricably with the cultures in the outside world. Look, I talk to my clients all the time, talk to professionals and explain to them that you are the same person at home that you are at work. You may modify some things, but you carry that same individual from work to home. There's a straight line between your professional and your personal it's all one thing. So that means that what happens on the outside, you bring into the workplace. What happens on the inside, you take home. So employers have to understand that there's no separating the two. And when you understand that, you get into some deep areas where you have to understand cultural nuance so that your company can continue to achieve. Slide, employer brand and culture. And I can't wait to have our guest on, Mr. John Graham Jr. from Amgen, who is a global employer brand and culture expert. And he's going to really unravel this for you. But as a coach, I'm here especially to make those rock star leaders, individuals and brands. And we're going to raise some questions today. So if you have pen and paper, if you have your device and you can take notes, you might want to think about some of what we're going to share today. So the first thing I want to talk about is what is culture? Now look, people think of culture as that thing that is race or it's gender and it stops at that and it really doesn't. Culture is what I say is a thing that makes your squad a squad and that means that there are microcultures. If it's me and my girlfriend and it's a girl's night out, we have our own rituals we may even wear certain things. It's that glue that makes your team do what it does. Or as Ray Charles say, make it do what it do, baby, right? Okay. Culture 
inside of your company. That's that thing that makes a squad a squad. And there are some things that culture is made of, and we're going to get into that. But we've heard people say that culture equals profit. If you have a good culture, you can win. We've heard famous people say culture eats strategy for lunch. And it's true. But what if you don't have a good culture? And sometimes we check off boxes and say, oh, it's a good culture. But we leave off some very important boxes. Again, culture on the inside of your company is inextricably tied to culture that's going on in the world and society. So let's give it some context. Here's the data. 13.9% turnover rates. It's not so bad in companies with great culture. Compare that to 48.4%. That's almost 50% turnover in places that don't have a great culture. Ask yourself, do you have a great culture at your place of business? Here's some elements of culture. And if you're you're trending high in some of these places, you probably have a great culture. Sense of purpose, opportunity, success, appreciation, well-being, leadership. Now listen, all things being equal, that is the question. Does everyone feel that they have a sense of purpose? Does everyone feel like there's opportunity? Is anyone left out? Are they being left out of leadership? So listen, all of this comes from um, Thrive Global. And they talk about rich corporate culture results in high employee engagement, better productivity, innovation, creativity, less employee turnover. And I haven't read increased brand identity. And we'll come to why I put that in red in a bit. But higher revenue, of course. If everyone feels good about coming to work and doing the job that they do, they'll perform better and you'll win as a company. But where companies miss, they may have a program here and there, but are they infusing diversity, equity, and inclusion in all of these factors? So why are companies still missing the mark? That's the question. So listen, we got to have a new mindset just as individuals, companies do too. Brands need to have a brand new mindset on how to approach this. So as a coach, I raise questions. I help drive you to those goals, help you exceed those goals by pulling it out of you. Here's question number one. How can I positively impact my company culture by understanding and acknowledging the many cultures that make up my workforce? Remember, The culture inside your company is not in a bubble. People live, breathe, and thrive outside of your organization. And if something happens to them outside of the organization, they bring it inside the organization. And they also view what you're doing through that cultural lens. Think about that. Question number three, and we got three questions today. How can cultural nuance impact my company culture and brand? And what are we prepared to do about it? It's the thing to talk about cultural nuance in marketing. Let's talk about it in HR. What are the nuances in your workplace that impact workplace culture? And how do those nuances interact? That's deep. 
Write down your thoughts. Third, what can we do to really know how underrepresented employees feel about the workplace? Now let's level set. If someone's scared, if they feel left out, if they feel like they don't belong, do you really think that you're going to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth from this employee? And most times companies may hear something, but it's when the employee is on their way out the door in the exit interview. And even sometimes, not even then. Some compelling thoughts and questions to think about. And it's almost time for our deep dive. But I want to leave you with this one compelling thought. Your employees are your first brand ambassadors. And I'll say that again. This is before Social Circle, LinkedIn Elevate, Simpler, whatever those platforms are that help you do employee advocacy. We're talking about the individual that goes home and speaks to their spouse and family and friends about what happens at work. They are your first brand ambassador. So the question is, do they carry a good message or a not so good message? And what does that do to your brand? All right. Something to think about as we go into our session with John Graham Jr. But first, a message. And you can hear me okay? Don Graham Jr., employee brand and culture expert, diversity, equity, and inclusion guru, can I say? How are you doing? Uh, No, please don't. No, I'm great. I'm great, Michelle. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. I'm always better when I bring my friends along. That's right. That's right. It's fun. It's it's no fun without friends. No, it's not. Uh, Yeah. So were you listening in? Of course, of course. I think a really good uh, dialogue and great table setter for our conversation. I think there's a lot to unpack there. Um, you touched on some really strong points. I, I love the uh, the three questions that people can ask. Uh, awesome, awesome. To really, to really well, get look, their, why don't we knowledge. set the table a little bit more and tell the good people yeah. what you do for a living? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'll start with what I do and then I'll give you the title. So my job is to effectively showcase and articulate our internal culture to uh, to, to to attract talent, mm. um, right? And so I want to be able to preemptively answer the question for anybody who's thinking about joining uh, our company, what is it like to work there? Right. Um, so global employer brand and culture marketing um, leader uh, really defines that as a title, but essentially my job is to showcase culture um, and build a strong employer brand through the voice of the employee, not necessarily through the corporate arm. So based on what I'm hearing you say, it's so yeah. important to have not just an engaged employee to leverage their voice, but they have to <coughs> like sure. the place. Let's let's start there. <laughs> That's right. Right? That's right. You should you should generally put people who like your company in front of a camera or audiences 
to talk and attract other people. Yeah, awesome. you should start there. So, and, yeah. and and how do you ensure that? Because that's kind of where the journey begins, right? Before you're able to even start to leverage their voice in the market. Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, you have to have a very well-defined uh, employee value proposition um, or EVP. Um, and a lot of companies are, are racing to figure that out right now. Those who are a bit more progressive on the front end of employer brand uh, are now probably in their second or maybe third iteration of their employer brand uh, or EVP. So it, it comes down to getting a very deep understanding of who you are as a company, what your culture's like, uh, as expressed through the employee voice. Right? What are the reasons why they, why they join the company? What are the reasons why they stay? Uh, why do they advocate for other people who don't work at the company to come and join? Um, and so when you, when you have that perspective from the internal side, then you match that up against, or you, put, you, you contrast that up against how are you perceived externally yeah. uh, by people that don't work at your company but may know of your company, whether through consumer side or uh, their industry adjacent, um, or competitors, I should say. Um, and so, and then let's not exclude the global perspective as well, because how you're viewed in the U.S. may be different than how you're viewed in in Shanghai or uh, or in Switzerland. So, uh, so it's really getting a holistic understanding of who you are from your core, how you're viewed externally, and then analyzing, synthesizing that into messaging uh, and a brand, as it were, that represents you as an employer. Awesome! So many considerations. Mm. And so, oh, when yeah. yeah, when are oh, yeah. you thinking about who that employee is and mm. how they feel about <clears throat> belonging in that culture and what safeguards are you putting in place proactively so that wow. you're ensuring that these ambassadors stay happy ambassadors? That's a really good question. I mean, I think belonging is the effect of diversity and inclusion working well. Mm-hmm. If you if you solve for those two, then belonging is a natural, uh, I think, uh, progression uh, to where right. So if, if we use the the uh, I think the overused cliche of the dance, mm-hmm. right? D- diversity is being invited to the or excuse me, diversity is being invited to the dance. Inclusion is being asked to dance. Right. I always say the belonging is being made to feel that your weird dance is okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and everybody so, joins so, in and tries it. That's right. That's right. So I think that that is a uh, to you to your earlier points in your intro. It's about culture. Do you have a culture that makes belonging um, an imperative? Do you have a culture that that inclusion is a, is a non-starter? Right? Do you, is diversity not just uh, you know making the uh, you know getting the numbers, um, but really being thoughtful on on where you try and source talent or how you. Um, you know, bring your your diverse populations that are already in into a sense of community. So uh, it's it's work. It's constant work. And and here's the crazy part: diversity inclusion as a practice within corporate structures is about nearly sixty years old. Yeah. No no company has solved for it yet. Nope. So there's really no Shangri La. What what is best practice? Right. It's it's variations of what good looks like for your company based on the stage they're at. Right. I've had that conversation with someone before, um, Jeffrey Bowman of reframe the brand. He talks about how it's been 60 years and no one solved for this thing. And yet everybody is throwing up the equal sign and yay, rah, rah. And yeah, yeah, it feels good. Disconnect. 
Yeah. Well, the other thing that's scary is it's an $8 billion industry, mm. the uh, diversity and inclusion, right? So, so it's one of those industries that, that that's generating that much revenue on an annual basis, but has not produced a solution. And, and, and the reason, the rationale here is you're not trying to solve a 60 year old problem, trying to solve a 400 year old problem. Mm. If we're talking about black employees, you're trying to solve, uh, you know, a, a 2000, 10,000 year old problem. If we're talking about female employees and gender yeah. parity and equality, right? So th- there's, there's socialization to your point, external culture defines and impacts or influences internal culture because we're all socialized in a larger construct and system. So, yeah. And you know, John, it's interesting because when I first met you, you were doing employee brand, um, Mm -hmm. doing it on a global basis. And somewhere in there, you got this pull inside of you to start adding diversity, equity, and inclusion to your, you know, your weaponry. Like, what made you decide that you needed to formalize this? Yeah, so so I've always been a champion for diversity and inclusion um, and equity in the work that I do. I just never really put practice behind it, right, or, or, or structured, defined um, approaches behind it. It was just I knew that if you wanted to accurately and compellingly speak to an audience, you had to first understand the audience, yeah. understand some of the challenges there. And so I, I was pretty adept and in tune with that. But I took another step and then went out and did um, some some formal education around the, the subject of fostering diversity and inclusion within mm-hmm. corporate structures uh, with the Yale School of Management. And that enabled me to see, you know, take a step back and, and look at it from uh, an executive or a leadership level and see how organizationally um, DI and B uh, sort of flows or d- diversity and equity flows in large entities, but also how can you how can you sort of be a, a champion and nudge in the work that you do, even if you're not branded as the leader of that space? Yeah. So, so for me, I think employer brand and diversity inclusion are not just uh, dis, dis um, you know, I think that they're, they're joined, right. That yeah. they're, they have to be because we're talking about people and culture and selling a company's culture to attract talent. You know what? I'm going to ask you this. I've asked several professionals and, marketing yeah. leaders and DNI leaders this very same question. I'm interested okay. to see what you think. Because okay. you heard me make the anecdote about the individual taking work home and taking home into work and the world with them to work. Sure. Diversity, inclusion and equity, DNI, DIE, whatever however people say all of those acronyms yeah i think it's great that companies are trying to do it for whatever reason whether they're doing it because it's the right thing because it's gee it's the thing to do because it's kind of hot right now right it's in vogue it's in in vogue vogue. two for the business case oh gee it's going to impact our bottom line it's good that they're doing these things but at the end of the day even if the company has these programs isn't it true that the individual, at the individual basis, could still bring that bias from home, bring that weird thought from home? So is this an individual thing? Is it a heart thing that we need yeah. to address in order that the company's programs will be even more effective? That's a fair question. Um, how do I answer? So let me say this. The intent of any good DNI program is not to 
eradicate or eliminate bias. Right. It's impossible. You can't. But the key here is you you're you want to help interrupt those biases from being acted on. Mm-hmm. So so if you right, you're always going to have your bias and your thinking from outside that you bring inside. The the key here, or the question really becomes are you acting on that bias, which then has an impact negatively to the culture, to individuals, to work performance, to business results, and so forth. So really, I think it becomes an awareness play first and foremost. You need to understand what your biases are. Then you need to be armed with mitigation strategies to interrupt that bias in real time and create a culture that says, if I see somebody acting on bias, then it's okay. In fact, I'm empowered to and encouraged to call it out in a way that is supportive and, you know, and reinforces the cultural norms and elements that we want and aspire to have in our corporate culture. And you know what, what I'm hearing from you is if these companies are doing it well and they're interrupting these biases, it may cause (coughs) Joe Schmo, Julie Schmo to think and actually consider something they never considered before. So there is the opportunity or maybe a possibility for a little change in the heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I liken it to, and it's probably not a fair comparison, but I think about just behavior changes, right? At one point, it was extremely normal uh, to smoke indoors, to smoke in the offices. You couldn't go smoke into an office planes. to smoke on planes, right? To smoke in public places uh, without regard. It was not looked at as uncommon or anything out of the norm. And then at some point, we as a society decided that in- Indoor smoking was no longer uh, a norm that we wanted to support. So now if somebody were to light a cigarette in an office, I mean, they'd get swarmed or somebody would would quickly you know, act to interrupt that and say, no, 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 you can't smoke. Right. In fact, there's companies you can't even smoke on the premises, mm-hmm. right? So so over time, and that, and that took, I mean, gosh, that started in what, the early 90s, maybe late 80s? Right. Um, and so here we are where now it's a norm where an entire generation would never even think about lighting a cigarette in a, in, a, in a public place or in an office for that matter. So these things take time, but it takes a collective of people agreeing on the norms of the culture that'll be in place and people brave enough to step up in the early stages before it becomes ingrained to interrupt or to call it out. Fantastic. John, you're doing yeah. wonderful work for your employer, <laughs> and you know <laughs> what? You're you. out and about, and you're speaking. Yeah. Tell me where people can find you, not just online, but yeah. do you have any speaking ops coming up? Well, due to our current pandemic situation, I have zero travel ahead of me yeah. right now. But yeah. um, but I will say, um, I, I'm actually taking some time off the speaking circuit um, until I launch uh, my new global employer brand, our, our new global employer brand. So, um, but no, I you can find me. Uh, I, I typically share a lot of content related to um, things that I'm personally passionate about uh, whether it's D-I-N-B or, um, you know, employer brand tech, marketing, whatever, uh, on Twitter, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, do I give my handles? Am, yes, I, am, I, am please, I giving those people plugs? People need to know okay. how to do this. All right. So the cool, uh, yeah. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Instagram1906, and that's G-R-A-H-A-M, 1906. Uh, LinkedIn, you One can nine. just search me at John. There you go. Oh, six. <laughs> Oh, eight. See, see what you did there? Okay. <laughs> we got it in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, and then LinkedIn, just search uh, John Graham Creative, and I'll pop up. 
Excellent. I'm on Snapchat and Instagram, 1906 too. Have you gotten on TikTok yet? I'm back and forth. I want to, but I don't want to. Uh, I know I know it's power and that's why I'm afraid of it, but I also remember Vine. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm old enough to remember Vine and when that was cool. So I don't know. I, I just haven't found a value prop for it for me. Well, when you find your why, if you find your why, yeah. let me know. We'll do it. Uh -huh. Okay. See, that's whole new terminology for me. I'm I'm out of the game. <laughs> I speak the TikTok I, language. Now. I'm going to go. Start, yeah, I see. I see. I see. And you should be. I mean, you are an influencer. So why not be on TikTok? Well, and you know, I've got these Gen Zers in, in the university <laughs> that I'm always that's dealing right. with. So my TCU students are going to teach me how to renegade. I did Ooh. a TikTok with a get loose with the ladies from Lane College. So we're, we're already in Ooh. there. I'm in there. I'm in there deep. Hey, you're my spirit animal. <laughs> I wish. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Awesome. <laughs> I just learned how to how to floss the other day. Oh, look. Like, oh, no. Renegade? No. And with that. <laughs> mm, yeah, we should probably move Thank on. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on, John. You're always a pleasure and such rich uh -huh. conversation with you. And I can't wait to have you back on. I appreciate you, Michelle. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Cheers. Everybody, John. All right. This little commercial, I want to make sure that everyone knows that they have the opportunity to come on this show for a live laser coaching. That means that you will share with me what your goal is and we will hack your goal for 15 minutes in front of this live audience and you will make progress. That's just the way it happens. That's the way good professional coaching happens. And with that, I want to say bye-bye to everybody. Let's see. Let's get back on here so you can see me. I want to say bye-bye to you. It's been a great show. Let's see. Yeah, we're just a minute over. So with that, find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at theculturesoup. You can follow me, El Michelle Smith, um, here on LinkedIn, of course. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at El Michelle Speaks. And of course, we'll be back next month, next second Tuesday. And of course, you'll hear the audio tonight. We'll rack it and then come and listen to us on Thursday. I got to tell you who we got. Okay, look, look, look. This is exciting to me. If you followed me, you've heard me talk about a gentleman named Dr. Anantha Babbley. <sighs> I had to stop for a second. Look, this is my thesis chairperson. This is the man that I described in the TCU video that put three African-American students, including myself, in the backseat of his BMW and took us to the National Association of Black Journalists local chapter meetings once a month where I met my NABJ family and put me on a course to be a communicator for the next 26 years. He is a champion and an expert and a scholar in globalism and diversity. And he's talking to me on Thursday. So join us. And that's it until next month. And I'll talk to you online on Thursday. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.